And welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, I got one of the smartest people I know. Um, somebody who is out there changing the game in many different areas and fields, Justin Gibbony. What's happening, my brother? How are you? Man, ain't nothing to it. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Man, let's first talk about, man, who is your barber? I mean, you got the fresh <laughs> lineup. Man, we got to give shout out to whoever Justin's barber is. Shout out to KB, line. for sure. <laughs> That's what it is. We start each one of our shows by having our guests walk us through the arc of their careers. And like me, you're a lawyer by practice, and you've done a lot of political work over the years in Atlanta. You're also a minister. That's right. Um, and now you're a nonprofit executive and advocate with the AND campaign. Walk us through the arc of your career and how each of those experiences have shaped the work that you do. Mm. Yeah, so it definitely starts with faith for me. Uh, I was raised in the church. My mom was a, a preacher's kid. Uh, and then I grew up in Denver, Colorado, looking up to elected officials like Mayor Wellington Webb, uh, mm. State Senator Regis Groff. Uh, these were leaders that I could see myself in, you know, and model my, my politics after. Then you have my grandfather, who was just a civil rights era preacher. Uh, so the whole ethic of speaking the truth to power uh, fighting for what's right, regardless of the consequences, was kind of ingrained in me early on. Uh, ended up going to Vanderbilt University, studying social policy and philosophy, played football there, ended up going to law school there. Then after law school, I moved to Atlanta. I'm working at a law firm and then just kind of jump into the Atlanta political scene. <laughs> uh, ended up working for the mayoral campaign of a state senator named Kasim Reed, who would become a two term uh, mayor of Atlanta worked in the Atlanta uh, law department and then just started running local, you know, campaigns for candidates, uh, referendums. Like we had a sales tax to raise, I think it was $2.5 billion for Atlanta's transportation system. So that was a big win. And then working with cats like, you know, you know, Justin Tanner, our, our friend, uh, we were the co-chairs of uh, Gen 44 Atlanta, which was Obama's you know, young professional fundraising arm raised about a million dollars here in Atlanta for the Obama campaign. A lot of Democratic politics, man, uh, was in the, you know, went to the, was a delegate at the Democratic National Convention in 2012 and 2016 from John Lewis's district. But I'll tell you this, I think the biggest asset or benefit to my political career wasn't necessarily the academic background or even my legal expertise. It was having the opportunity to engage my city on a grassroots level. Uh, I had mentors like Atlanta City Councilman C.T. Martin, Tracy Reed, Councilwoman, uh, Andrea Boone, who really helped me understand that you had academic knowledge and then you had political smarts. And those were two different things and Amen. that they were acquired in two different arenas. And so that was helpful for me as well. Hey, man, that's a that's a, a life lesson. You know, I actually it's funny how Atlanta politics is kind of the start of, of a lot of us. I got my start. Um, I don't want to say my start, but I really got uh, in my early steps working for uh, a young lady by the name of Shirley Franklin mm. uh, when I worked for her in her office down in Atlanta, Georgia. So talk to me about the AND campaign. What exactly is the AND campaign? And even more importantly, explain to people why is it necessary? Mm. Yeah, so the AND campaign is a Christian civic organization. And really what we're trying to do is raise civic literacy among Christians, promote civic pluralism. So, you know, working with people, you have different beliefs, uh, that have that whose beliefs differ than yours and challenging Christians to reframe how they view politics. And that's, that's really important. Uh, we come out of the Orthodox black church. Um, it's a perspective that, you know, Dr. Esau Macaulay would call the, uh, the, the 
black ecclesial tradition. And we think that that tradition has a very unique public witness yep. and that 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 public witness isn't really represented by conservatism or secular progressivism, that in some ways is kind of being erased in politics. And what I think to describe this this perspective, it's a deep belief in social justice fighting. Right, against just, but but, but Reverend, Reverend. You just gave me a lot of big words. Mm -hmm. You just you you were highly intellectual. Explain to me tangibly what that means. Give me an example of what you're talking about, how it's being erased. For sure. So so let me let me explain the tradition. It's, it's really number one. Number one, saying we believe in social justice. We want to fight against racism in this country, but we don't think that progressives are the authority on that subject. There's different ways to look at that. But then you also have kind of the morality and accountability issues, which we think are important, too. But when we look at conservatives, we say, well, American history is stained by the lack of order and accountability on behalf of white America. Right. Uh, and so what we're saying is there's more than what these two ways to look at uh, certain issues. Um, mm. our, our politics right now is kind of controlled by and we saw this in the Hidden Tribe study, devoted conservatives. 6% of the population, progressive activists, 8% of the population, they don't get along. But one thing that they have in common is an important identity marker. And they're, they're loud. They're loud. They're loud. They're predominantly white and rich. So they have an outsized voice in the media. Their political organizations are incredibly well-funded and they have more time to be politically active, which is what I think you're getting at. Um, and because they've done such a good job controlling the discourse, all the rest of us are kind of left to contort ourselves to fit into their box, to jump through their hoops. And in fact, I think they've been so effective, Bakari, that most of us have a hard time understanding politics outside of this progressive conservative dynamic. Correct. We even sent even in our community, we center them in our political conversations. So if I have a position that may be more traditional in my values, it's automatically assumed by some folks that I got that position from outside our community. When you and me both know that not all black people are just hyper progressive on every single issue. In fact, uh, we're, that's in been the fact tradition. we're more socially conservative than anybody would give us credit for. Exactly. So I've asked this before when faith leaders come on the show, shout out to one of my heroes who um, calls me in the middle of the night and my wife, it used to bother her at first because she was like, who, why are you getting out the bed to go talk to somebody? Who is that? Mm -hmm. And so Bishop Jakes, I'm going to be celebrating his 65th birthday with him in Dallas, Texas. Um, but I have to ask this of you. Um, when we saw so many protests back of tw in 2020 and the political movements that grew from them and emerged, we haven't necessarily seen a new generation of black faith leaders crop up in the way that we've seen a new generation of black political leaders crop up. Is the and movement also seeking to fill that void in black politics for black Christian political leadership the way, say, uh, SCLC used to do, uh, or that traditional civil rights organizations that have often had close ties with the black church used to do? Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good comparison, the SCLC. We're, we're trying to say that politics is important. You, you hit it on the head. We had a lot of secular groups step in and do what the church should be doing. And thank God for Black Lives Matter and all those folks that stepped up. Uh, we've supported them in many in many of those efforts. 
But we think it's important that people with faith step in, too, because it's a perspective that's needed. It's a perspective that brings hope to the conversation. It's a perspective that brings a certain standard uh, sometimes when it comes to how we engage, how we interact with other people. Um, And it doesn't put justice issues kind of in a on an island and say that they're not uh, impacted by some of these other what we would call moral order or, or morality issues. So these things interact. And I think it takes a faith perspective sometimes to see how they're connected. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah. A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. What if I told you you could get a big snack almost anywhere for less than five bucks? Let's talk 7-Eleven's $3 big meal deal with seven rewards. Big meal deal is a big bite hot dog and a large big gulp drink. And you won't find a better snack deal anywhere else. Here's what I put on my hot dog. Mustard. And that's it. That's it. I love a hot dog with mustard. Maybe if the chili, if I'm feeling it, if I'm feeling crazy, maybe a little chili, maybe a little nacho cheese, but I'm a hot dog and mustard guy. But if that sounds like your kind of bite, visit 7-Eleven, valid through 1725. 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, applicable on large big gulp only. Participating U.S. stores only. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. How do you see yourself navigating the obvious tension here? Because we've talked about it a little bit. Between a social progressive left that may be at odds with traditional forms of Christianity that the and campaign represents and the political right who I can't even identify, uh, and this is a harsh condemnation, but I can't even identify Jesus in from what I'm seeing in him sometimes. How do you navigate this space? And do you all seek to support a third party? Like practically, how does this work in a two-party system? Good question. The, the first thing that we're trying to do is get people not to be so stuck on ideology. Mm-hmm. To, to, you know, there's, there's so much polarization because people think there's only two ways to think about a particular issue. We're saying, there's more than two ways to think about it. To, to me, that doesn't mean that we need to create a third party. I don't know how practical that is. That's, that's a really heavy lift. You can it stay in your party. That just means that your party isn't the master of your, of your social action, right? I, I should be able to look at an issue and not be worried who took what side of that issue, be worried about taking the right position. So, I mean, you seem, you might've seen me on Twitter and in social media. I don't really care if conservatives said it or progressives said it. I'm trying to find what's the right position to take. Do when you know it comes remind, to- Do you know who you remind me of? And I, this is a, this is a, a, a huge compliment, I do believe. Uh, Benjamin Watson, do you know Ben Watson? That's my guy. I was, just, I was just with Ben the other day and his family. That's my guy. Ben is, ben is one of the most refreshing individuals I've seen or had. The, 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 it, it's, the benef- Social media doesn't have a whole lot of benefits, but being able to intersect with people that otherwise you would not, um, and it's and, it, and it's refreshing. You two remind me each other of each other because you're centered in faith. You're very clear, but you both are willing to engage and learn in both. And you don't in what's going on around you. You're not static in your views. Do you see your movement growing, or is it tougher than you thought? Yeah. So for one, I'm glad you brought Benjamin up because he's a part of the movement, and it is growing. Uh, I think a lot of people were waiting because you know in our in in our whether it's on social media or just in the public story in general, when you say something that's outside of the box that doesn't fit on one of the two sides, you get folks come at you. 
And so I think it's, it's taken a couple of people like Benjamin Watson, like Charlie Dates, Lisa Fields, folks like that to say, no, 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 we're going to say what we have to say. Uh, and for me, one of the encouragements and people that I kind of modeled what we're doing off of is somebody you might know who's Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner. You know, she's kind of our living patron saint of somebody who's been in the game in a real way, but also maintained her values. And just because somebody said a hey, conservative conservatives take that position, she didn't run away from it. But when I address to, to answer the other part of your question, when I'm addressing white conservatives and evangelicals, I'm having a real conversation about theology and looking at the Bible and telling me, explain to me how you can't you know, support social justice. If you know about the prophet Amos, if you know about Isaiah, if you know about what Jesus said, how do you not, how do you run away from racial justice issues and uh, even criminal justice reform and just having those real debates? And you'd be surprised. There's a lot of young people in those circles that are hearing what we have to say. And so there is movement. You know, I, I um, in speeches, often I talk about John Lewis, Sarah Mae Fleming, and Isaiah all in the same sentence because uh, John used to always say that you have to be prepared to walk onto the pages of history. And Sarah Mae Fleming, she sat down on a bus before Rosa. She wasn't looking to make history. And then I go to Isaiah and remind folk that when he was in the full arm glory of the Lord and the question was asked, who shall go for me? Isaiah said, hear him, I Lord, send me. And we have to have that type of a mind frame when we're prepared to take on these challenges of social justice. You know, one of the reasons I have you on the show is because um, I think that someone with your experience with a group like this, you've got a unique insight into the democratic base, which I call my mom and her friends, right? Is that it's older black folks and you got that Atlanta and you say, so you know where and how to turn out those type of voters. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of these voters have strong roots and participation in the church and also are what many would describe as a bit more socially conservative on some issues, but progressive on other social issues. Can you unpack how you think Democratic campaigns and candidates get this wrong, especially now? I mean, you touched on it a little bit. And how can a group like the Ann campaign help the right messaging here in this space in particular? The Democratic Party right now is stuck in the academic professional class bubble. And there's some intellectual inbreeding there to where it doesn't get challenged. And so what happens, and it almost happened to me, is we come out of these bubbles straight into politics, but we've lost the common touch. We hadn't really talked to the, to the people. And so we have a whole, all the, I saw this in presidential campaigns. You've got a whole bunch of staffers, all of who are still in this bubble and have mm-hmm. no idea what the people are thinking. Glass You're using things, language bro. that they don't use. You're talking about issues that they're not necessarily con- concerned about. And your 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 campaign is responding to what's being said on Twitter, the pushback that you're getting on Twitter and other places, not talking about what grandma and them who want you to have common sense are talking about. They want to see you do something when it comes to voter rights. They want to see something happen when it comes to criminal justice, because they know that they're that the the, the boys uh, that stealing all kind of money in Wall Street can get away. But their son, something happens at uh, the, the, the Walmart down the street and he's doing serious time for something that wouldn't even close to as big or have the impact on the rest of the country that we've seen happen, even if you point to Wall Street and what happened in, in, in 08. That's what people want you to talk about. But until we get out of these bubbles, and this is a serious problem because I don't know how you change this immediately. Until we get some folks who can break out of that bubble and know what the people are talking about, mm-hmm. there's a huge gap between what the people want and even communicating to the people. And unfortunately, I don't think it's impacting the Black community as much but sometimes Republicans are speaking to 
though speaking to those people in other communities in a better way because there's that contact there and not as much hubris although there's certainly a, a number of issues that are that are problematic in other ways <laughs> yeah that you you just identified the problem there that many people have especially those people who aren't a part of the process when they look at it they get dis I guess, disenchanted by looking at it through that prism. Talk to me about the pushback you get from progressives, given that I imagine you're aligned on some issues, but diametrically opposed on others. Is there middle grounds on some issues like reproductive rights, uh, same-sex marriage, or is it a zero-sum game? Oh, it's got to be. We got to do the hard work of democracy. Um, So you take an issue like religious liberty and LGBTQ rights. We're going to push back on the right and even some of the folks, folks farther to the right in the black church and say, no, 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 you got to. This country has a history of mistreating folks, whether you agree with it or not. We've got to do something in the legal system to make sure that change through legislation to protect people on the job and things of that nature. However, we would say to the left, that doesn't mean that you got to take away um, uh, the ability for kids to have lunch at religious schools that don't agree with what you say take away Pell Grants from kids that are going to Christian schools that don't agree with what you say. There's a better way to go about this. So as we were trying to navigate that issue, we run into the Utah compromise where Mormons and the LGBTQ community come together and say, hey, let's do the hard work of democracy and come up with a way for us both to be protected. Those things can happen. But again, unless we're willing to sit down and do the hard work and disagree with somebody and not say, oh, you disagree with me on this. You you hate me. You don't care nothing about. No, let's just have a conversation and try to get through this in a mature way. It takes emotional maturity, but it really takes sitting down and taking the time to kind of hash it out. And people just don't want to do that. You get criticized for doing that. Um, and we've tried to do that, especially on that issue, which is, is really third rail on both sides, of the, on both sides of the aisle. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let me ask you just a question that's always been kind of nagging me, I guess. We've seen church participation from young black folks drop precipitously. I mean, Pew just, you know it better than I do, but Pew did a recent study of black church participation and showed that 
Generation Z and millennials, they just ain't going to church like they used to. Probably because their parents are a little bit younger, but we used to have to go to, it was a mandate in the household that you went to church. Can you unpack what we're seeing with young black Christians in particular and what we should make of it? Um, and particularly just the growing popularity of places like Elevation or some of these more integrated churches that mm -hmm. uh, we're not necessarily used to. Yeah, so there's a couple of things going on. One of it is that the church as an institution has had some failures, that there's been some leadership failures, that there's been some hypocrisy where we're preaching one thing and doing something else, where we're attacking one group for doing something and then we're doing it and, and ain't nobody saying nothing about it. Yeah, yeah. So that's the, we, we got to address that. And young people are seeing it and they're saying, nah, we're not just going to go along with that. So I think it starts with being open and honest about the mistakes that the church has made. The other thing I see is them not them not seeing the church address certain issues. Right. Mm -hmm. We're talking about justice. Where is the biblical conception of justice and how does it apply in this moment right now? Right. How do I apply that? If, if it can't apply to what I'm doing right now, then what was it was it here for? How is it helping me? And so that's why it's important for us to make sure that, number one, they know the history and that we show them a biblical articulation and application of mm. justice fighting uh, in this day. So that's one of the things that are going on. Again, you have folks going to, to different churches and, that, and some of that's going to happen. Not all of that is bad. You know, you can have uh, kind of transcultural uh, uh, churches. Uh, but we but but I think the church needs to deal with its leadership issues and its um, integrity issues. I know some excellent pastors uh, that have all the integrity in the world, but we need to make sure that we're holding folks accountable who don't and haven't been doing that and have been mistreating people uh, in, in ways that they shouldn't. You also have a book out compassion and conviction, the and campaign's guide to faithful civic engagement. What do you want readers to get out of it and how can listeners buy the book? We want we want people to get a biblical framework of how to view politics in our politics right now. We have this false dilemma where you either have to choose caring about social justice issues or you can care about moral order issues. And with and campaign saying our, it's even in our name is that we care about both. We care about justice and righteousness. We care about compassion and conviction. Truth and love go together. They're not mutually exclusive, even though they seem that way in the public square. And so we want people to be able to say, you know what, I, I got to critique conservatives and I got to critique progressives, even if I think conservatives are worse, even if I think progressives are worse. That doesn't mean that I can just go along with it, because one of the things that I say, Bakari, is that I could have an infection in my left leg and gain green in my right leg and, and the right leg could be worse. But guess what? I'm going to have to deal with both of them. Um, and so we want people to be able to do that, be stop conflating theology and ideology and look at politics with new eyes because we need a paradigm shift if we're going to get out of some of the issues that we're having right now. How can people follow you and support the AND campaign? So you can follow me at, um, at Justin E. Gibney on uh, Instagram and uh, uh, Twitter. Um, and then you can go to the AND campaign's website, which is andcampaign.org uh, and support us, follow us and, and do all that from there. Can't let you go without talking Georgia politics real, real quick. If the election were today, who do you see winning the governor's race and the Senate race? Man, I have to say, it, it, I think it's going to be tough on the Democrats right now. I think, I think Kemp has a better chance. I think Kemp has a very good chance to win. I lean towards Warnock winning this time around. But again, I think even in that Senate race, when we talk about the erasure 
of of kind of of that black Christian witness. You see it there, too. Um, and so it's going to be very good races. But that would be my guess as of right now. So, right. If the election was today, you had Kemp and Warnock. I think so. I actually probably would agree with that today. Um, and then Warnock reminds me a lot of what the Ann campaign is trying to do. How well do you think he's done in striking that balance between his faith and his politics and presenting a public faith, if you will? And that encompasses a lot of the compassion you talk about in your work. Yeah, I, I think he's done well in a way. So when it comes to voters rights, when it comes to criminal justice, I give him props. He spoke out on that stuff. My problem is, and this is where the erasure comes in. He doesn't when he talks about abortion and when he talks about, you know, transgenderism and things of that nature, he's given us talking points. You know, I, I hear the Planned Parenthood talking points. And so I, I want the nuance, even if you're pro, even if he's pro-choice, we might disagree on that. I don't want talking points from a faith leader who's always a, also a political leader. I need a, a limiting principle, add something to that. So I, I think he could do much better. But but I obviously think Herschel Walker could do much better, too, because when I hear him talk about uh, immigration, racial justice and all that, he's talking like Trump. So, again, for us, we would like a little more out, out of both of them, even though we don't think they're equivalent. We still think on some of those tough issues, they're staying within that box, within that framework that we need to break out of. Interesting. We will leave it there. Justin, thank you for joining me today. This is actually probably going to be one of my best shows that we've done. I, I appreciate how you've taken us there um, in these 22 minutes. My brother, I appreciate you, man. Be blessed. Say a special prayer for me, Sadie, and Stokely. And I owe you one. So when I'm in Atlanta, if I can ever do anything for you, please let me know. All good. I appreciate the opportunity, bro.